Welcome to the Vita Foods Insights Podcast. Join us as we explore the latest in science and innovation, helping the global health and nutrition industry connect, develop, and progress. Today's host is Fraser Grice, conference producer. Hello, and welcome to the Vita Foods Insights Podcast. I'm Fraser Grice, content producer at Vita Foods, and joining me today is Ian Craig, the editor of Functional Sports Nutrition. Thanks for joining me today, Ian. Thanks for having me. Pleasure's all ours. So today we're going to be looking at how the sports nutrition industry has evolved over the last decade. And this ties in nicely with the 10-year anniversary of functional sports nutrition. Ian, tell us a bit more about yourself. Okay, so uh, I'm an exercise physiologist, uh, a nutritional therapist, um, and I edit the Functional Sports Nutrition magazine, which is probably the biggest interest to your listeners. Um, I'm also a practitioner, so I work one-on-one with clients from mostly sporting-based, but I see a lot of chronic problems like uh, health and immunity and chronic fatigue. Um, And I'm also an educator, so um, I work with an integrative sports nutrition and helping to train practitioners into um, understanding more with their clients in a functional or integrative way. And so what what else do you do with your time? Um, I'm a father, um, so (laughs) these days I used to be a pretty serious athlete but uh, these days I'm more like dad Um, but you know they're gradually going growing up and becoming more independent so uh, hopefully I'll get back to running a bit more as uh, time goes on. Oh wow and what kind of um, running was it that you were competing in the past? Uh, I was a middle distance runner so 8 and 1500 you know trying to pursue the the history of like Seb Cohen, Steve Cram and Steve Ovette and the likes, but uh, didn't quite make it to their standards. Well, hopefully you can get back running soon. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Great. So today we're going to be uh, looking at a few case studies in particular. Um, and I guess we start with, I mean, you've seen a lot of changes uh, in functional sports nutrition over the last decade, haven't you? Um, I mean, what have been the main shifts and why do you think this has been the case? Um, it's been quite interesting because if you look at the standard sports nutrition paradigms, if you like, you know, the big associations in the world that set, set up guidelines, they've been very focused on macronutrients, you know, the energetic nutrients, protein, carbohydrate and fats. Um, but I, and I saw that very strongly in the magazine 10 years ago where a lot of the advertisers were, you know, like the big black tubs of protein powder and sports drinks and, you know, very much on the macro field. Now, if you kind of take a browse through the mag, you're going to see probiotics, you're going to see cherry juice and beetroot juice and nucleotides and, you know, much bigger diversity of different things. So we very much um, moved into this area of um, micronutrients, so, you know, vitamins, minerals, uh, and phytonutrients. So 
you know, what does beetroot juice have that, you know, your fruit cordial doesn't? You know, that's a big interest in research uh, at the moment, or it has been over the last decade. And it's uh, thankfully slowly filtering into the sports nutrition world, um, even though the paradigms are still kind of hanging on to the, the macronutrient focus. Okay, wow. So that's some big trends in the last year, I guess. In the past, we've seen a lot of big brother science, if you will. <laughs> so kind of <laughs> evolving over time um, and looking at the more microsystems, yeah. So, I mean, as a practitioner, you look at the different systems uh, of the body as opposed to simply measuring uh, persons and macros and micros, as you just discussed. Um, I mean, what body system do you spend most time working on and why do you why do you feel this is the most important system to work on with your clients yeah i mean i mean this is my nutritional therapy background um so we work very much looking at a person's health it's not how many calories are you eating and how many macros are you eating we'll look at that but the most relevant is you know, how's your immunity? How's your mind? How's your muscles and your joints? And how's your guts and your liver? Um, so within that, you know, every part of the body is incredibly important. But uh, the thing that stands out as probably the most important and has the most problems uh, nowadays is the gut. Um, and when I started off in this area, um, we had the nutritional therapy ideals and functional medicine, which I was really interested in, but I was tasked with making up a module for the nutritional therapy college I worked at at the time. And I couldn't find any textbooks or anything like that. Um, and when you went into the research, um, you couldn't find any sports oriented research in gut health or liver health or whatever. Um, and, I eventually found one paper in 2006 when I was looking at this. But nowadays, there's actually a huge amount of research. Uh, I've got a colleague, Catherine, who put together a research uh, thesis a couple of years ago on the human biome and how strong athletic, let's call it behavior, i.e. training, can really disrupt the, the human microbiome and the microbiome is essentially just you know your good bacteria um versus your bad bacteria you know the the climate of your um micro you know your flora in your in your gut so it's a big focus area for me when i work with people and um it connects with pretty much everything else in the body and there's a presentation I do just as a kind of representation of what is functional sports nutrition or integrative sports nutrition. And it's connecting the gut and the brain. And I've written recently in the FSN magazine around that. So there's a huge amount of research about, you know, how if you might, you might have certain neurotransmitters out of balance in the head and, and they're actually mirrored at the gut level or vice versa. So our mood affects our gut and, and vice versa. Um, and then you've got the gut connecting to the immune system. Uh, it's now considered that about 70% of the human immune system is in or around the gut. So the 
the bugs in our gut have a huge effect on our immunity? Do we have a good diversity of microflora or is it quite diminished and has candida and some parasites kind of taking taking place? So, I mean, what was once in the domain of the microbiologist is very, very relevant for a, for a sports person. If they're not well balanced there, their immune system's uh, going to be compromised or their, their mind. But then you can also go into inflammation because uh, the uh, immunity is the seat of inflammation which influences musculoskeletal function. Um, you know, I used to get injured from running and get quite depressed, so I'd drink more beer and eat more rubbish food. And <laughs> thinking back, it wasn't the best approach for recovery from injury because of the inflammatory potential. Um, and the gut also influences like mitochondrial function, that's your energetic um, organelles, um, that are so, so vital for training and competition. If you're not absorbing and digesting well in the gut, you're not going to be energizing your tissues. So I think we're in an era of looking at the human athletic body very, very differently from before, where it was quite mechanistic regards to carbohydrates and fat have this amount of um, potential energy in it we need to be thinking, well, what do we need to get that energy through the system? And, and health is very, very vital with that. It's very interesting. And do you think that with gut health coming becoming quite prominent in the last kind of uh, decade, I guess, or, or five years, um, do you think the research is currently there to, to support this kind of um, movement in sports nutrition? What are your thoughts on on the research side of that, is it going to keep up to date with athletes? It's a very good question, Fraser. Um, there's a lot of people that stick their head in the sand and say, oh, the research isn't there. But actually, if you look hard enough, you'll find relevant stuff. So for my integrative sports nutrition course, um, I have to find the research or I don't get, you know, CPDs and accreditations for it. Um, yeah, there's actually a huge amount of very uh, sport-related research now in the gut and microbiome field. But then I, I do a liver um, or a detox um, type of lecture as well. And when I first put that together, I totally expected to find nothing in the athletic realm. But I found quite a lot, actually, and it was to do with certain foods. Like there's a nitrate nitrate um, research at the moment with regards to beetroot juice and mm. different, uh, you know, very green vegetables and with high nitrate concentration and how that is a vasal, has a vasodilatory effect. But these same vegetables can have a huge effect on detoxification. And why is that important? Well, if, if we're not clearing out effectively, um, the liver is a highly energy consuming organ so that therefore competes for energy with our muscles so it's when you go back to the basics it's really really important um, so yes i was finding some decent amount of research for liver health as well and there's a lot for musculoskeletal um, but also I, something i you know advocate the, the practitioners are trained to do is to look across different research realms. 
don't just stick in the standard sports nutrition papers, you know, the, the standard journals you might go to because you will be limited in your thinking. You can go into different realms like um, naturopathy, homeopathy. You can go into research. You can go into different medical interests that are many nowadays. Genetics is another one. Um, and not everything might be totally up to date with research, but I believe good clinical practice isn't just listening to the research. There's a, there's a good amount of uh, practitioner experience and individual interaction with clients that goes on. Um, so that's what practitioners do. They don't just wait for the research to catch up with what their thinking is and what their experience is. And that's the same in commerce. Um, so businesses that might create products that actually have some really good benefits, but the science hasn't quite caught up yet. Um, beetroot juice was an example of that. Mm. It, was, uh, it was over 10 years ago that the first research happened, but you know people were already using it before that time. Yeah, and I think it was at the University of Exeter kind of spearheaded that yeah. research. Um, and I think it's probably one of the most widely used supplements, especially in the cycling world. Beetroot juice is probably one of the most commonly used supplements. So um, I guess that's a good example of of kind of changing from the macro to, to the micro. Definitely. And, and what else is there to study? I mean, that's one vegetable. We can study all vegetables. Um, I do a lecture on DIY sports drinks, which I normally use um, like a diluted grape or pomegranate juice. Okay. And then I started doing research into what other types of juices have people used for in, in sports. And there is lots and lots, you know, like um, sh sugarcane extract, you know, straight squeeze sugarcane, um, which obviously brings all the micronutrition with it rather than just uh, glucose powder mixed with water. So, you know, that can make a massive difference to a person's health with a slightly different way of thinking. So I think we're in a, an exciting era within sports nutrition. Um, I think we're gonna see a lot more different research uh, in time to come. Since this podcast is related to VitaFoods Europe, it's the perfect time to interrupt and remind you that you can find all the information you need about the show at vitafoods.eu.com. Now back to Fraser. Great. And I guess um, to put it into a practical example, I mean, uh, Team Sky, the, the Team Sky cycling coach, Dave Brailsford, um, has popularised the term marginal gains in sport. What relevance does this term have for the work that you do? Well, you could say that um, anything that we do that could have an increased health, health effect would increase performance. So... When I lecture, I start off with a pyramid, and the base of the pyramid is what, what we call functional nutrition for health. So choice of food and supplements that are going to help the health of the individual. The next layer up is like performance nutrition, which is your calories and your macros and your timing and all the stuff that we already know about. And then the top is supplements, uh, i.e. traditionally ergogenic aids. 
But if you broaden out supplements to any supplemental nutrition that could be helpful to health, they come down to the base layer as well. So for me, marginal gains is, is a no-brainer if you actually just take the, health, the nutrition or the diet of the athlete and make it more healthy their increased health is much more than the marginal gain because say for example they're following the old paradigms of you know good amount of carbohydrate um inclusion in their diet because they're an endurance athlete you said you're a cyclist so you'll know all about this um but Maybe they're eating a lot of bread and pastas and stuff. And because they're training hard, the gut's becoming a bit intolerant to the high gluten wheat. That's a whole other topic. Um, but there's certain foods that might not be too good for particular athletes and they, they need to be changed. So instead of uh, like cheap pasta, we might shift them to uh, a good quality organic brown rice that doesn't have a detrimental effect on their gut, doesn't irritate the gut, but actually it's got lots of fiber to feed the probiotics and improve the microbiome. So that's like a simple example, but in terms of just on a, a calorie sheet, the number of calories and, and grams of carbohydrate coming out of that rice versus bread will be the same but the health effect to the, to the athlete is hugely different. So if we improve their gut by just shifting to a different macronutrient focus, but they've now get better immune response and less inflammation systemically, and musculoskeletal system will be a bit happier. I think we can get a lot more than marginal gains there. And that's just a macronutrient example. You start bringing in the beetroot juices and then, oh, okay, what else has nitrates in it? Well, let's have a look at spinach. Um, let's look at trying to improve the, the liver by giving it more glutathione. Where does glutathione come from? Well, actually, broccoli has been shown to be a good stimulator of glutathione, which is an antioxidant system. Antioxidants are very, very important for uh, recuperation, recovery, anti-aging, lots and lots of things. At the base level, they're a cellular protector, a mitochondrial protector. So when we actually start going into real food, that excites me, um, as you can probably hear. <laughs> we improve the health of that athlete by using real food. And real food-based supplements. Um, my favorites are actually like powdered red, red powders and green powders and things you can throw in the smoothie, which just ramps up the um, kind of antioxidant levels of your food. Where, where do you think the, the nutraceutical industry fits into this kind of holistic view of an athlete's health? Um, obviously, I guess a big change would be moving away from from the, the big brother science that we mentioned earlier. How does the nutraceutical industry then fit into to this approach? I mean, nutraceuticals, we're talking about nutrients as opposed to pharmaceutical. Um, so we can take the very scientific aspect of nutraceuticals, and that's your, your vitamins and minerals that are precisely measured out um, via research studies 
as appropriate, let's say, a, a multivitamin mineral blend that supports the average person. Or we can take, um, you know, take my liver, liver example again, which nutrients do we need to actually upregulate the liver processes? Um, let's make a formulation of that, of which there are many good ones out there on the market. And then you can, so that's very much what I would call nutraceutical, but then you can actually add in a whole lot of herbs. When you actually start opening the box into herb research, and there's Chinese herb research, uh, there's homeopathy research, there's lots and lots of different things that could be thrown in there. Um, and then there's mushrooms. Mushrooms have got uh, some really nice research in immunology and um, energy, like cordyceps sinensis, for example. Um, and then you've got, like what I mentioned there, that more the food-based uh, products like the, the red powders. I, I love my red powders. It's like basically freeze-dried organic berry extract. And you just take a scoop and add it to your um, your smoothie, which has already got um, undenatured whey protein in there, plus some uh, good quality collagen powder and some real foods. So you can you, know, you can ultimately blend real foods and nutraceuticals that are well sourced. Um, with the the focus of improving an athlete's health. Yeah, and I guess with uh, the nutraceutical industry in mind, this opens up a whole new kind of marketplace for for businesses. Because I guess sports nutrition hasn't been the target of of these phyto and micronutrients in the past. But as the the research becomes more prominent, and as you say, some of it's well, a lot of it is already there. Um, it kind of opens up a, an entire new market for for many businesses out there. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. When I first came to this magazine 10 years ago, yeah, it was the, as I say, the, the muscle brands are mostly advertising. Uh, and I said to the sales guys, well, you've got this other magazine. At the time it was Cam, Cam Mag, it's now ICANN. Um, and they had all the probiotics and the uh, the kind of food-based supplements in that magazine. And I said, well, why don't you go and try and get some advertising from them? And uh, I said, well, yeah, they don't, they don't get it. They don't get the relevance of the sports space. But gradually that's changing. Gradually they're realizing that, whoa, okay, athletes want to be healthy too. So there's a relevance of probiotics and prebiotics and beetroot juices and uh, you name it. Some haven't been trialed out in a sporting context but if you can make the very basic assumption that if an athlete has an increase in health due to whatever changes you make with them, their performance will benefit as well. Then, you know, it's a bit of a no-brainer that health-based supplement companies should be in the sporting space. Absolutely. I completely agree with you there. Well, Ian, um, thank you for joining me today on the Vitafuse Insight podcast. It's been great hearing about your experiences and insights over the last 10 years. You're very welcome, Fraser. Thanks for having me on. Great. We look forward to having you chair our Performance and Sports Nutrition Summit at Vitafuse Europe later this year. Um, and for those of you interested in attending, you can visit our website, uh, www.vitafuse.eu.com.